What's up, guys? Happy New Year. This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Report's college football and NFL draft podcast. I'm your host, Matt Miller, joined one more time by my boy Mello. It feels weird being in here. It's morning time. I I usually am still in bed the last two weeks at this time, but that's all right. Uh, I'll do anything for our listeners. Anything for our listeners. Connor is out at the Rose Bowl as we record this Tuesday morning. Uh, We've got a fun show for you guys. We wanted to kick the new year off right. We're going to do a mock draft after we get through some of the news of the day. Mello and I went back and forth all 32 picks of the first round. We're going to break it down, give you guys an updated look at how we think the first round will play out. Eight NFL jobs are open now as far as head coaching. Uh, we're going to see some movement in front offices, I would expect, as well. we got Mike Mayock already taking a job, so a lot to get to. Uh, but we are going to give you guys a full round one mock draft and, and hopefully have some time to do some of the draft on draft questions at the end. But let's start there. Eight NFL coaches fired on Black Monday. Uh, it, it's fascinating to see the turnover and I don't know that we're done yet. Like, it sounds like there right. could still be more coming, but you've got the Bengals, Marvin Lewis, 16 years on the job, and he's gone. We were just talking about him, too, Sunday night. I feel like we put the stick to football we curse did. on him without even putting it on the show. But one of the longest tenured guys in the NFL, and now he's gone, so that job's open. And we saw a lot of other jobs open, too. More that we knew would open the Cardinals fired Wilkes, Vance Joseph not having the time of his life anymore in Denver. Uh, so some pretty good job openings that really some good good opportunities with a lot of talent out there. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people have asked me, what's the most attractive job out there? I think it is the Cleveland Browns job because of the way that the team is built. They're very young. It's very inexpensive team they they have money to go sign free agents you have a very good front office structure there with John Dorsey Alonzo Highsmith Elliot Wolf I think the Browns job is the most intriguing one and listen Baker Mayfield had a great rookie season Uh, you have him now for four more years under rookie wage scale control and that's how you win in the NFL these days is with a cheap quarterback so I would actually take the Browns job over the Packers job, I agree. Where you have, uh, and Aaron Rodgers is a very, very good quarterback. I actually think we're starting to see the decline of Aaron Rodgers, mostly due to some injuries. But uh, I would still think the Packers job is an attractive one. They also have a good front office, but you have so much money tied up in your quarterback position there. They do have two first round picks though, so that that makes that an interesting one. It does, and I think those are the top two jobs, but. I just I don't know that I would want to be tied to Aaron Rodgers. He really just seems like a pain in the ass. And I'm sorry, <laughs> Packers fans, but he does. That Browns job, though, Baker Mayfield, as much as I hate him, he looks like he's going to be a great quarterback. You already have a great pass rusher in Miles Garrett. And, oh, yeah, you have a shutdown corner as well. Those are the three things that you really need in the NFL. And I think maybe they can go find themselves a nice left tackle in this draft. So if you can get all four of those things, like you are set up to be very successful over the next five years, especially with uh, the way that the AFC North's trending right now. Yeah. Jets job, fairly attractive. You got 21-year-old Sam Darnold and $100 million plus to spend in the salary cap this year. Number three pick in the first round. Uh, That, I think, is an attractive job because of that. Less attractive because of the ownership situation with Woody Johnson. The owner is actually the ambassador to the United Kingdom for President Trump. Uh, I almost threw up when I said that. So he's uh, over in England right now doing his thing. His brother Chris is running the show. So that makes it like a tenuous situation because when Woody comes back, is he going to want to keep things the way they've been going? The Broncos job to me, not attractive because it's like they had a little rebound this year. 
I don't understand how John Elway, one of the greatest quarterbacks of my lifetime, cannot find a quarterback. And he's tried drafting, he's tried trading, he's tried free agency, and he just can't get it done. And I, I would put that probably at number three on my list of of job openings just because they have so much talent on that defense with Von Miller still and, and Bradley Chubb did a lot of great things this yeah. year. But you're right. Like somebody has to go in there and oddly enough, help John Elway find a quarterback. I'll help you. You almost need like a Josh McDaniels to come back to Denver and be like, <laughs> you know what? Let's try again. We're not going to get Tebow this time. Should I have Frank Reich? Yeah, I mean something, but you gotta or find a Matt quarterback. Nagy, or the rest of the roster in Denver actually looks pretty good. And then they get Philip Lindsay. I knew he got hurt recently, but he looked very good as a rookie Pro Bowl running back. Undrafted, yeah. yeah. The so. salary cap there is not great. I think it's one thing they're not going to have a ton of money to spend in Denver. But you, like you said, Melo, you have a pretty finished roster there. Just got to plug in some pieces. They are drafting early in this class as well, so they have a chance at pick number ten overall to get. Uh, an impact player. Maybe that's where they get their quarterback. We'll find out when we do our mock draft. You got Tampa. No thanks. Especially Jason Light at GM. They've said they're committed to Jameis Winston. This reminds me so much of what the Jags did when they fired Gus Bradley. And anyone they interviewed, they basically said, you're stuck with Blake Bortles. We drafted him number three overall. Make it work. You're doing yourself a disservice when you're telling a coach who his guy is going to be. And I don't know if that means they're tied to him in the sense that he's going to be the starter for next year, but just to have him on the roster, I think if you go in there as a head coach, you want to be able to get your own guys in there. And if you don't like what you've seen out of Jameis Winston, then you're not going to take that job. So you're literally taking guys' names off the table for you. Because some people will just say, you know what, I don't feel like staying with Jameis Winston. I'll go ahead and take the Dolphins job that's also open, and they have – Almost no one that you would really want to keep. <laughs> right. They, there's not much there. Kenny Stills. Uh, yep, Kenny Stills. I mean, they have Minka Fitzpatrick and Jerome Baker on defense. They look good as young building blocks. But, yeah, the Dolphins job is an attractive one. I don't think that the they actually fired Mike Tannebob, the president of football ops. And they promoted Chris Greer, who has a really good reputation in scouting circles. Uh, he will now get to run the show pick his own head coach. I don't know that you're stuck with Ryan Tannehill there so much. I think they have flexibility with his salary. They can get rid of him, and they are drafting in a spot where, uh, unfortunately, you're probably not going to at 13. You're, you're kind of right. in that area where you might have to reach for a quarterback. Well, especially when you have teams like Tampa, who I know they said they're tied to Jameis Winston. They might want to get a quarterback. The Giants might want to get a quarterback. The Jaguars uh, the Broncos, all those teams yeah. could possibly get a quarterback and they are drafting ahead of the Dolphins. So they're really in a tough spot. I don't know if they're going to be a team that looks to fill that need from a veteran, but even the veteran quarterbacks that we have available in free agency, it's, it's not great. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Joe Flacco. Because yeah. He's not great, but he's not bad. I mean, he can win you a Super Bowl. Amazing with a great defense. He sure can. <laughs> uh, this Niners fan knows that all too well. Two more jobs that are still open, and I don't know which one I would like least. The Cardinals, they do have the number one pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. They have Josh Rosen. They have Christian Kirk, David Jones. Uh, you got an, an aging Larry Fitzgerald. And then on defense, you have some guys. Uh, you got Chandler Jones, right. Son Reddick. Uh, you've got Pat Pete, Buda Baker. Like They have some very good players. Steve Wilkes won and done there after just completely crapping the bed this year. Fired his offensive coordinator midseason. They have to figure out a way to keep Josh Rosen upright. And that was one thing we talked a lot about with him pre-draft was once he starts getting hit in the mouth, when is he going to start pointing fingers, basically? We haven't at least heard about it yet, but you have to keep him standing upright. He's not mobile. 
And I wouldn't say that he had a good rookie season. He didn't he didn't look very impressive. And I will give him a little bit of a break. He had no help on the offensive line. But he did have Larry Fitzgerald and he did have David Johnson, who are Pro Bowl guys. One of them's a Hall of Famer. So it, it it's rough to see that, but I think he, he will intrigue some coaching candidates that want to come there and work with him because he's a name that we've known for so long as being almost a savant of quarterbacks. He yeah. just he knows the game. It's just getting him kind of ringed in to just, would is he going to listen to you? But I would think of the five rookie quarterbacks we saw start, he was the least impressive. Yeah, I would, I would and, agree I with mean, that. And let's not make it about supporting staff because Josh Allen doesn't have much around him and look pretty good. Not not great, but he looked pretty good. Sam Darnold does. Not, I mean, has, really, I mean, we've shit on Lamar Jackson a lot. He doesn't have a whole lot of talent around him either. No. I mean, John Brown, Pitt right. State alum. Decent cool. offensive line, no running game. Yeah, uh, he is the run game there, as is Josh Allen of Buffalo. So right. the last job is the Bengals. Uh, they'll probably do something like, I don't know, hire Hugh Jackson. Uh, would be, <laughs> wouldn't surprise like, me. Honestly, I, I think that that's kind of where they're trending. I know they even put something out on Twitter. It's like, we don't listen to all the social media talk. We're going to do what we think is best for the team. That just seems like you're warming up. You're preheating that oven to go ahead and tell your fan base Oh, by the way, we're just going to keep Hugh Jackson here yeah, and bump him up to head coach. Well, yeah. then, now they can get rid of Andy Dalton, uh, who would free up all their a lot of cap space for them. Uh, but you also have guys like AJ Green. He's got one year left on his deal. I don't know if they're going to move him He's or not right now. Right. So uh, they've got some talent at tight end. Another, you know, can't stay healthy. But Joe Mixon might be enough on their offense to get a guy to come in. Yeah, and Tyler Boyd had a very good year uh, before he got hurt as well. Defensively, they're, they're kind of like old and slow. They need to innovate right. defensively, get faster. Uh, they did draft Sam Hubbard and Malik Jefferson last year, but we really didn't see either guy a whole lot as a rookie. So, unfortunately, the Bengals' job, uh, it's almost like they're back to being a little bit of a joke. You know, like where before it's like they were, oh, man, they made the playoffs a couple years in a row, and now it's like, come on, guys, like you got to yeah, get that, this turned around. That was credit to Marvin Lewis. He did do some really good things there. I think his tenure was maybe a little bit longer than it should have been, uh, but he did help turn around that franchise that was a laughing stock for a very long time. The bags on their heads and everything before he got there. Uh, one GM job has been filled. Mike Mayock goes to Oakland. We actually talked about this when we recorded Sunday night for the Monday morning show. And then it was really like announced. I think as soon as we stopped recording, basically they said, Hey, it's going to happen. It's official. I'm very happy for him. Um, and, and I think that a lot of people now look at, you know, they say, okay, well, who's next? You know, is Lewis Riddick is Daniel Jeremiah. I don't think Mel Kuyper's ever going to leave ESPN no, for a I don't GM think job. So. But I will say, um, if there's any defense you can give the folks uh, who sit on kind of our side of the table with this is, when you have a job like ours, you're evaluating four to five hundred. I mean, you've seen it yourself when you help me. We're evaluating four to five hundred guys a year, and you put a grade out on every one of those guys. When you're the GM for the Raiders, you only have to talk about the eight, nine guys you draft each year mm-hmm. um, and, and get those right. So it is like a, a much larger sample size we've seen from Mayock. And I, I'm going to be interested to see how he and John Gruden work together. Mayock is like a hard-nosed, you know, Northeast guy. He's not going to be timid. He's not going to be afraid to push back against John Gruden a little bit. And I think that's one reason this marriage can work. And I said this on the Monday show, and and I've had more time to think about it. Since you know, the Raiders have four picks in the top 35, I think it is. got to get those picks right. There are probably not very many people in the country right now who know more players than Mike Mayock. Like, if you you need to get 
players and you need to hit like they have to hit on these guys. And that's one thing that everybody's talked about with Mike Mayock is he is actually a guy that works his ass off. I know there are a couple guys uh, who are draft guys and maybe they have a crew of people doing all the work for them. Uh, maybe they have fired. some really cool hair, but <laughs> but oh, you, hear, you okay. hear that rumor that maybe uh, they're more of a TV figure than they are actually doing the scouting work. But everybody, uh, a lot of support for Mike Mayock and the fact that he is out there. He is grading his own guys. He's doing his own scouting. So that could work. One thing that I think is to his disadvantage is you have his draft board. You have all of his big boards yeah. for the last 10 years. You know the guys that he likes. So I know that I saw somebody mention this on Twitter, actually. I won't take it as my own opinion, but he was very high on Mason Rudolph, just like I was. So now teams can go say, hey, Mike, you want Mason Rudolph? We know you liked him. him. And then Mike Mayock might overvalue him. So teams can take advantage of that. And you have every draft ranking that he's ever put out. It's oh, damn. It's yeah. out there on the interwebs. It's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. I need to delete all my archives just in case. Yeah. <laughs> just in case. Yeah, I mean, uh, when are we going to take over a team and what role are you going to put me in? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, you would have to be like my, uh, you know, the my uh, player personnel director or something. I don't know. Maybe like assistant two. Assistant two <laughs> the GM. I wonder which owner is crazy enough to give us a team. Um, probably Daniel the Bengals. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. Bengals <laughs> would want to just get someone cheap, you know, like, hey. What do you what do you make now? We'll give you. Uh, you're a teacher, yeah. five dollars like, more. Yeah. yeah, here's sixty grand. Please come work for us. Hey, I'd do it. I would do it. Just just in case anybody's listening. Uh, Dana Holgerson took some more money for a worse job. I think. I just we talked about it on the Monday show, and I do not understand this move. I I like the University of West Virginia and what they had going on for him. Uh, and Dana Holgerson talks about how he wanted a big pay raise. Well, I looked it up Sunday night when we recorded. He was making three and a half million dollars. Now he's making four million dollars. Like <laughs> that does not seem like a huge raise to me. I know it's five hundred thousand dollars, but I'm not packing up and moving my family for that much money. It just it seemed like he had a good thing going on there. So I I really don't understand the move. I didn't understand it Sunday night, and I still don't understand it today. Yeah, I don't either. Unless you just the only thing I can think of is like Houston is they're on the rise. Like they're of the non-power five schools, they're probably one of the best. But you're going from a power five, Big Twelve contender to a team that's right, a, not, team, a team that at one point in the year looked like they might actually get into the playoff. Like had a legitimate chance. Even if Houston goes undefeated, we've seen it right. in their conference with Central Florida. They can't go undefeated and make it into the playoff. So now you're going to go to Houston and try to do it. So I don't know. Good luck. Yeah, it's I don't see it. And I know they are putting a lot in the facilities down there. They're trying to make Houston like more of a if you can recruit the city of Houston, you could be a pretty damn good football team. The problem is Texas A&M is not that far away. The University right. of Texas is not that far away. LSU, LSU, the, oh LSU recruits Houston probably better than anyone. Exactly, it's it's a tough spot to go in. You think, oh, like this is a recruiting hotbed. It, it is. is, and that's why teams have already right. like planted their flag there that they want right. to win Houston. Yeah, the, and Tom Herman being a, the coach at Houston not that long ago, Kevin, someone I think could probably still recruit Houston fairly well, having gone from there to A and M, and now he's at Arizona. Like that's you can pull from that area, so. We'll see how it works. I, I think that it's 
not that great of a job, and it's not that much more money. Exactly. Like, so, it's like someone in West Virginia had to piss him off. Yeah, it's like, like he the, wanted whoever to the AD is there now, I'm not sure, but I don't know. And, you know, he maybe he did see the writing on the wall because they are losing everything. Yeah. Quarterback, gone. Two receivers, gone. Left tackle, gone. Linebacker, gone. Like, those are just guys off the top of my head. I didn't do research on that. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, the, There are. are a lot of people leaving, and their quarterback didn't look too great. And they're not getting Tyree Jackson now. No, no, not definitely without, not. No. I don't know who they're going to hire. Maybe maybe old Cliff Kingsbury says, yeah, actually, I'll take that head coach job, and he'll go to West Virginia. God, he could, with that, if they could recruit, there's the problem. But that scheme that they've run, the players that you would think would be on staff would fit him really well. Uh, Matt Campbell, I think one of the best coaches in college football, he's at Iowa State. He tells the Jets, no, he won't interview for that job. That's, that's not a good sign. No. When you are at Iowa State, no offense to Iowa State. Love Iowa State. And you're not leaving Iowa State to go even just interview. Interview with the Jets. But he's like, no, nah, I'm good. So maybe this is a sign that he's really not all that interested in the NFL. To not even interview is surprising. That's big. To not interview tells me that something's up. Because that's not a terrible job. Maybe he does want to stay away from New York. Maybe that's the thing. I know the city life is not for everybody. And maybe that's what Matt Campbell's take is. Yeah, that maybe so. Maybe I remember with Chris Ballard, a lot of people said like, oh, he should take the I wanted him to take the Niners job badly. And he was very picky. He said, no, I want to stay in the Midwest and I'm going to go somewhere with a quarterback and a good owner. He goes to the Colts and look at them now. They're yeah. already in the playoffs. <laughs> it was a, a quick tournament. So maybe it's the same with Matt Campbell. Maybe I would think the Bengals and Browns would both reach out to him because he right. is an Ohio guy. Yep. Um, if they don't, then. He might be back at Iowa State next year. It sounds like Lincoln Riley is going to reach an extension to stay at Oklahoma. Uh, the word really trickled out after they lost Alabama that he was pretty pissed off and thinks that he kind of wants to stay in college and uh, try to finish things there. Last bit of news we got to get to, and this one I am, as just let me be a Niners fan for a second. I am excited because George Kittle sent a sup to Antonio Brown <laughs> And A.B. responded with the heart eyes. And now, I understand. I'm in my 30s now. I'm not as cool and as hip as I used to be. But I think that means we're trading for Antonio Brown. I, I don't know. I mean, it looks good. It looks better than it did the day before he did that. Um, but obviously, Antonio Brown is not happy in Pittsburgh. Like There were a lot of questions story. on Sunday why he didn't play. And then news starts to break that actually he got into a huge disagreement with one of his teammates. And people are saying that teammate was Ben Roethlisberger, so he missed practice and then missed the game, sat out the game because of it, and he also left at halftime. Like, dude is pissed off. Yeah, uh, it is it is amazing. And the game was that they had to win to get into the playoffs, and yeah. you're arguably your best player sitting out because he got into it with uh, the quarterback. So, um, man, yeah, it's, it's one thing to get mad and, like, need a moment. Right. To miss several days of practice and then not playing the game, I, I think we're probably going to see him get traded. And out. I alluded to it earlier, the just kind of the feel of the AFC North right now. The Steelers, that locker room is not looking good. They missed the playoffs. That's terrible. And then, you know, the whole Le'Veon Bell situation, him trying to do what he wanted, but then the team, the way they responded to it, they're like, fuck this guy. Like, he's gone. It's not a good look if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. All right, y'all, it's mock draft time, and we actually have the draft order now, which makes things a little bit of fun. No trades in this one, and this is what we—did you do what you think will happen or what you would do? Uh, a little bit of both. 
This kind of you're kind of got to do. Yeah, it. taking both into concern, I guess. Uh, so I don't know. I'm up with the first pick, and I think that this one's obviously a no-brainer. Again, the only difference here is that it's a different team, and I think no matter what team you are, you need Nick Bosa on your team. Yeah, I agree, and this is going to be the easiest one to slot for quite a while. It sounds like he's actually doing pretty well in terms of moving on from rehab now to start working about training for uh, hopefully the combine, which is in about two months. So he's kind of up against it a little bit as far as uh, getting into shape for the combine. But uh, regardless, he is still the best player in this draft. And the Cardinals, while not an obvious huge need, right? they they can draft him. And I, I think there will be some consideration for Quinn and Williams here, though. Um, I think so, too. It's just kind of what type of defensive lineman do you want? Do you... Uh, do you want Bosa to be a stand-up edge rusher where you already have Chandler Jones? Um, but they're they're really their big needs. There's just there's not a guy that you would take at number one. We don't have a left tackle. Even Jonah Williams, he's not a number one pick. Right. Not when you have guys like Quinn and Williams and Bosa and Ed Oliver and all these other guys. So for me, that pick right now, what I think they are going to do and what I would do is I'm just going to go ahead and pull the trigger on Bosa right here. Yeah, the San Francisco 49ers are up number two. It, it sucks because they. this reminds me of the year where they just missed out on Miles Garrett. And this is a year where they just missed out on Nick Bosa. Edge is the biggest need for them. And one thing that I think we have to caution people is there will be times in this, this upcoming draft where your team has a bigger need than what they pick. But the top 10 is going to be dominated by defensive linemen. And it, it might be like the 49ers biggest need is probably like an edge rusher, a corner, a wide receiver. You're not going to draft a corner at two in this year's class. Mm-hmm. You're not going to draft a wide receiver at two in this year's class. So you look at the what is the best value meeting a need, and I think it is for an edge rusher. So I'm going to go Josh Allen from Kentucky here. Everyone knows I love the dude. He's 6'5", 260, super productive this year. 18 and a half tackles for a loss, 14 sacks. I think he should have received some Heisman consideration. He was so good. Really? And yeah. he does... Fill a need for them where guys like Solomon Thomas, very good against the run, not a pass rusher. Eric Armstead, pretty good against the run, not a pass rusher. DeForest Buckner is a very good interior player, which is why I'm not picking Quinn and Williams here. I think they got to get that help on the edge. It just, they've been looking and they failed a couple times, but maybe if you get all those guys together, I think you're right. They still, you got to get after the quarterback. So Josh Allen, uh, if you can't get both sides, I think he's the second best edge rusher here. Uh, up at number three for me, uh, the Jets have a lot of needs. They have a young quarterback. Maybe they go get some help there. Uh, but I also think they're going to get rid of Leonard Williams in the offseason, which frees them up to take Ed Oliver, not Quinn and Williams here. I actually think people are f- just forgetting how good Ed Oliver was. He was getting triple teamed at Houston every play, no production this year. He's still an elite talent. He is a great player. And I think he's more versatile on the defensive line than even Quentin Williams. He can play outside. He can play probably even stand-up rusher. He can do whatever the Jets need him to do. And I think he's got enough kind of dog in him to play with the Jets. And that defense, he's the kind of player that they want. Yeah, he got into it with his coach, but he's brash. He's outspoken. They're going to like that. Jamal Adams is going to like that. Exactly. I like when he came out and was like, hey, guys, we need more players like me, basically. (laughs) Ed Oliver would be one. Number four, the Raiders. 
I mean, we could probably find it. I bet Mike Mayock loves Quentin Williams. Everyone loves Quentin Williams. Right. Uh, again, not the biggest need because I do like P.J. Hall, who they drafted last year. Maurice Hurst uh, has been very, very good as a three technique. They need edge help, but I'm not going to reach for an edge here like a Cleveland Furl or uh, Brian Burns, uh, J.K. Polite. I think it's a little too early for those guys. Quentin Williams would be by far the best player on the board at this spot. And I, I think that that roster in Oakland is so bad that you really – could draft any position outside a quarterback and it's a need. Oh, I I definitely agree with you. And just you keep going back to it. Obviously, we have four defensive linemen, kind of edge rusher guys here. That's where the value is. Like a lot of these teams, yeah, I know you need a cornerback, but I just I don't know that Greedy Williams is up there yet. Maybe he could climb up there in the next couple months. We're really starting to dive into this now. But Quentin Williams, I I don't even know that really he'll last till number four in the actual draft. Be a surprise, yeah. And uh, in the actual draft. A team like the 49ers should sell their pick to someone wanting a quarterback. Exactly. Yeah, and we'll see a lot of moves. Yeah. But if we're drafting here today in January, uh, no trades here. Number Ooh, five, January. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they need a lot on offense, and they say they're sticking with Jameis for 2019. We talked about it earlier. I don't know exactly what that means, but I'm going to go ahead and go with the idea that maybe they do want to build something around him still. So I'm going to give him Jonah Williams, the left tackle out of Alabama. Uh, just super productive guy. He's been a three-year starter at Alabama. Even some of the best guys at Alabama are not three-year starters. It's ridiculous. So I'm going to pull the trigger on him at number five. Yeah, and they could use him even if you want to keep Donovan Smith at left tackle. He can play right tackle. He did it his true freshman year at Alabama, which is incredibly hard to do. Number six, the New York Giants. Uh, there's been rumors that they're going to stick with Eli Manning. I think anyone who watched Week 17 or the last four years of football should know that that's a bad idea. It's time to get a young quarterback in there. I'm going Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State. I do feel like he has shown that he's worthy of this pick, especially for a team that needs a quarterback. Strong arm. He's accurate. Uh, he can play their style of football. They have Odell Beckham. They have Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard. You have Saquon Barkley in the backfield. This team offensively could be special if they could just get someone who doesn't turn the ball over so often. And Haskins, well, I, I feel like with his arm talent, could really open things up. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Somebody's going to take Haskins uh, probably in the top five, maybe not even make it to number six. Somebody's going to have to make a move there. Number seven, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They also need a quarterback. You also just took Dwayne Haskins, so I'm going to get crazy here. I'm going to take an edge rusher and give him Cleveland Furl. And the reason why I'm going to do that is because this has been one of the most patient franchises with quarterbacks. I don't think that they're going to rush into something and say, okay, now it's time we got to reach for Daniel Jones. I think that's a need that they're going to try to fill via free agency. They're going to go after a guy like Joe Flacco or Teddy Bridgewater and try to get them in there because they're not a team that's rebuilding. I think they still have a lot of confidence in that defense, maybe in Leonard Fournette. I don't know what their feeling Jesus. is there, uh, but they are a quarterback away. So they're going to go ahead and fill in some other needs here, get a good pass rusher that fits their scheme and try to get a quarterback like a Teddy Bridgewater in the offseason. Yeah, that's ballsy. I like it, though. Number eight, the Detroit Lions. Who knows what Matt Patricia wants to do? He and Bob Quinn it, seemingly on the same page. They have a background together from New England. I think they're going to look at the draft and see that you just took Cleveland Farrell, which would be a great fit for them. They do need defensive end help, but corner is a big need for them as well. And they need size at corner. I'm going to go Greedy Williams, 6'3", a buck 90, instinctive, long. I think he's very fluid as well. So, yes, they have a need at pass rusher. 
I think we could probably get one of the top around to a guy like Jalen Ferguson from Louisiana Tech. So at eight, I think Greedy Williams comes in. And I, I like I love Darius Slay and, Quint, and Quadre Diggs. Like those dudes can ball. Yep. They need size in the secondary, though. And they need somebody to play more of like an outside corner role versus that safety. They they need another guy that can come in and be a shutdown guy and and free up those guys. Uh, pick number nine, the Buffalo Bills for me. Uh, a lot of needs that they could go with, and I'm going to get crazy. I'm super high on this guy, and I'm probably the only one. I'm going with Nikhil Harry. I think maybe this is a little bit high for what we're seeing right now, but I expect him to ascend through this draft process and solidify himself as a number one receiver. A lot of teams need a receiver. I think he's the best one. Buffalo's got to get some help around Josh Allen. They have nothing at receiver. They have nothing at receiver. Uh, so go ahead and pull the trigger on Nikhil Harry. I love what I've seen out of him so far. Uh, I think the only question about him is his 40 time. And we've seen a lot of receivers in the NFL where that doesn't matter. Your 40 time is a track time. If you can play fast, then who cares what that track number is? Yeah, uh, yeah. when you're starting Robert Foster and Zay Jones at receiver, you probably need to get someone. I, I like it. Again, it's a ballsy pick. I think a lot of people would say offensive line, but with Jonah Williams off the board, it would be a reach to go after Yanni Kajust or Greg Little or Jawan Taylor, who just declared from Florida. So it, when you look at the needs on the board, it makes sense. Number 10, the Denver Broncos. I've bitched about it for years. I'm giving them a quarterback. Daniel Jones from Duke declared after the bowl game. I think he, I believe we will see him at the senior bowl as we're recording this Tuesday morning. It hasn't been said definitively, but I really like this guy. I mean, he has size. He's six, five. He's probably gonna be about two thirty five when it's all said and done. He's athletic. He has a strong arm and he's well coached coming out of David Cutcliffe's offense at Duke. Uh, he could play any, uh, really any type of football. I think, I mean, he can push the ball downfield. He can be your mobile guy. Uh, kind of like the Josh Allen, Carson Wentz. He's, he's not that athletic, but he is mobile enough to do some things on the ground and they have to figure it out at the quarterback position. Uh, this might be a reach in terms of value, but as we've seen before, and now that Justin Herbert's going back to Oregon, like someone has to, to right, be that guy in this class. And we are going to see quarterbacks drafted in the first round. They, they might yeah. not have a first round grade on them, but we'll see. I would guess three. Three quarterbacks drafted in the first round is almost like something you can bet on every year. Whether the talent is there or not, uh, somebody will take them and they're going to go top 10. Quarterbacks just don't fall to the middle of the first round anymore. So Daniel Jones, I, he did impress me at Duke. And you talk about his coach, David Cutcliffe. He's a quarterback whisperer from 20 years ago. Way back in the day. This was a Peyton Manning guy who got him ready for the NFL. Yeah. So I, I do like Daniel Jones. Um, we'll see what he can do through the draft process. The Bengals, we talk about how they need speed on defense. So go ahead and pull the trigger on Devin White, one of the fastest linebackers we've ever seen. Uh, very rangy. He is what I wanted Malik Jefferson to be. So now you can go yeah. ahead and team them up together and – Really help out your defense. Maybe even give some better uh, leadership there. They, I don't know what they're putting in the water at LSU, but those guys just breed defensive leaders, and he's going to do it for the Bengals. Yeah. Number 12, the Green Bay Packers. Last year they were in a similar spot, and they traded out. They traded a 2019 first-rounder to the New Orleans Saints, and they let the Saints draft Marcus Davenport. Well, fast forward a year, guess exactly what the Packers need? A pass rusher like Marcus Davenport. So this year... Stay pat. Get Brian Burns from Florida State. We've had him on the podcast. Love him as a person. And as a player, it's very exciting. He, he needs rounded out. He absolutely does. You want to put some weight on him. But 
his twitch and his ability to bend are very special. I think he's one of the few guys Link. in this class that I mean, he can he can really like bend the corner. He's going to get drafted highly. I think at 12, it might be a surprise if he's still on the board, depending on what kind of run we see on quarterbacks. So go ahead and slot him in. He would fill a huge need for the Packers as they, uh, with a new head coach in there, they need to get younger on defense, in the especially at the linebacker position, and they need to get a hell of a lot faster. Uh, that's that's interesting. Who would you rather have, though? Would you rather have a guy like Davenport or Brian Burns? I think I'd rather have Burns. I think so, too. So I think it was a good move. Right by the Packers last year. And and this isn't the pick that they got from the Saints, but obviously things happen. Uh, the Dolphins are up on the clock at number 13 overall. They have a lot of needs. Uh, they are another team, like we've said, could maybe pull the trigger on a quarterback, but I just don't know that I'm going to do that right now. They have a lot of needs on the defensive line, so I'm going to take Rashawn Gary, uh, who I almost passed on accidentally. <laughs> but the fact that he's falling to number 13 I don't know that that will happen. It's it's crazy how the draft will shake out. But he can play every position on your defensive line. If you told him to gain 20 pounds, he could play nose tackle if you wanted him yeah. to. He can do it all, and he could be very disruptive in a, like a three-tech defensive lineman. So the Dolphins will take him right here at number 13. I almost drafted him for the the Lions at pick number eight. I mean, he could in maybe I should have. He would be a very good fit there. I I love him for the Dolphins. They need to rebuild, and we'll see. A lot of these spots, it's hard to predict until we know who the head coach is going to be, and you can talk about scheme fits and things like that, but Rashawn Gary fits every scheme, so he works there. Number 14, the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons have a reputation for only drafting guys who high character is their thing. They, they have a, put a ton of emphasis on that, which might make my pick controversial. I'm going to give them Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State, there's a video of him summer before he went to college uh, hitting a woman that school said he was breaking up a fight. He's been in no trouble since then. Anyone you talk to Mississippi State, I, I feel like I have a very good connection to that uh, department. They've never lied to me about a guy, and there's been some shit that's come out of there in years past. They say that you know it was a mistake. He's turned his life around. He's grown up. If the Falcons buy into that, Jeffrey Simmons is a top 10 football player in this class. You're getting him at a value at 14. Yeah, and I agree with you, too. It's it's tough with the whole uh, domestic violence thing and whatever happened with him, but it didn't seem like Mississippi State had too much of a problem with it. Uh, it's not like they suspended him for a year. So it is a rough look, but he's also a great talent, and that's what the NFL looks for, uh, like it or not. Yeah. The Redskins at number 15, they have some needs, and I think this is where they go with a quarterback and we see Drew Locke come off the board. I think teams will fall in love with him once they get to see him uh, throwing the football around because that's what he does best. Uh, throwing it deep, he can throw a it's mile. A bowl game, Jesus. Yeah, very impressive. 6'4", 220. He is a prototypical NFL quarterback. He has some accuracy concerns. I think he has some uh, technique concerns with the way that he uses his feet. He gets a little lazy with them. Uh, but he's got a lot of arm talent. So the Redskins, they don't know what they have at quarterback. They don't know if Alex Smith is ever going to play again. Uh, I don't think they're going to stick with Josh Johnson at quarterback or Mark Sanchez. So Drew Locke sitting here at number 15, I think he's going to be a first-rounder, and I think a team like the Redskins and Daniel Snyder will take a chance on him. Number 16, the Carolina Panthers. They got a mess of problems out there. They got to get better on the offensive line. They got to rebuild the defense outside of the linebacker position, basically. Now, I'm going to go to that D-line spot. Jack I polite. Edge rusher out of Florida. Uh, a little bit of an undersized guy. He's about 6'2", I think is what he's going to come in at. But he has, his arms look a lot longer than you would expect from a 6'2 guy. He uses them well. He has some twitch and burst coming off the edge. I know Connor likes this guy a lot. 
And as the Panthers kind of, they've patched a lot of needs with some veterans and free agency. I mean, that Julius Pepper still plays defensive end for them for crying out loud. They have to get some pieces in there uh, that can be long-term building blocks. And I think polite can be one. Mello, you are on the clock with the Cleveland Browns at number 17. How weird is it that the Browns are picking at 17 and we didn't, like, they didn't trade Yeah, back. this isn't their second their pick real in the pick. first round. Yeah. This is their pick, and and that's, they're having some really great things going on in Cleveland, and that's why we both agree this is the most exciting head coach opening that there is in the NFL right now. They have their quarterback. They have uh, good talent at receiver, tight end even. They're going to go ahead and get a left tackle here, and I love this spot because I love this kid, uh, Yadni Kajust. I think he's a very athletic tackle, yeah. and he did a lot of great things this year at West Virginia, and it, Baker Mayfield just needs somebody to protect him. They've got a running back in Chubb. They've got a lot of things. They're really just missing a left tackle, and after they solidify this, I think they're going to be probably a playoff team, like a wild card type team, if they can just fill a couple more needs, and this is one of them. Yeah, I mean— I. They tried, and I, I think it's going to be interesting. We, we love John Dorsey and his staff. Everyone who listens to the show knows that. And they drafted Austin Corbett in the second round last year. He's really their only pick from last year that didn't pan out or hasn't yet. It's too early to say it's not going to work. But you know, Desmond Harrison, very good athlete, college-free agent kid, uh, didn't couldn't hold it down. Greg Robinson actually ended up coming in and playing at left tackle. They need to figure this out long-term. So I actually really like this pick. I'm probably going to steal it for future use. Number 18, the Minnesota Vikings. How embarrassing is it that this team missed the playoffs? It's shocking. And then like the meltdowns that were happening on the sideline. Right. Just not a great look from the Minnesota Vikings. I think one of their issues that they're going to have moving forward is what to do at the linebacker position. Anthony Barr's a free agent. And they've really kind of limped by with some guys there. Uh, Eric Kendricks is fine, but... I think this is where someone like Devin Bush could be a huge impact player, a great athlete. Would you say he's thicker in a bowl of oatmeal? Yeah, he is. And he is. Boy, he has some legs on him. Stocky thing. Yeah, yes, he I wish you were a senior. I'd love to see him at the oh senior bowl. Oh, my God, yeah. He's, he's like, if I were athletic, he and I are built the same. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just squatty. thick legs, squatty. <laughs> Not much of an upper body. He's a lot better at football than I ever was, but I, I love him for Minnesota. Talk about how thick he is, but also he's incredibly athletic. Oh, yeah. He is not just some big, like, bruiser. He's not a 245-pound guy who's just going to come downhill and thump you. I mean, he could be, but he's also very athletic. It's to the point I think a lot of people early on probably viewed him as a safety and then oh, he, like a he hybrid. keeps adding weight, and now I think he's a legit middle linebacker prospect. He's like 240. Yeah, he's all on his legs. I mean, yeah, he's like 5'11, but yeah. I don't care. I really like Devin. What's wrong Bush. with that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, their coach, Mike Vrabel, he was an edge rusher. Now they have two free agents. Well, Brian Rockpo, Hook'em Horns, uh, comes out and says that he's going to retire. So they need that need uh, filled. They also, Derek Morgan is going to be a free agent. So they need some edge rusher help. I'm going to go with Montez Sweat out of Mississippi State. I think he is a guy with good length that uh, Vrabel's going to fall in love with once he gets to look at him. Doesn't Montez Sweat sound like a like an R&B guy from the oh, 90s? Oh, definitely. Like, yeah. I want to know. <laughs> like Keith Sweat. Yeah. That's what something. I think of all the time when I hear Montez Sweat. That's my evaluation of that pick. No, I like it. I think Vrabel and, and John Robinson, they're going to have to look at the defense and be like, Phew. And I mean, quarterback there is... 
Interesting, too. Marcus Mariota cannot stay healthy. Yeah. And I don't want to read too much into this, uh, but you would assume that a guy like Mike Vrabel is not going to have much sympathy for a quarterback who can't stay healthy. <laughs> or not play successfully. Like, why are right. you so bad? I don't know what to do with this. Uh, he had Tom Brady. Then he went to Ohio State where they had, like, three quarterbacks uh, who were good. Then he goes to Houston and they have Deshaun Watson. So... Yeah, I don't feel like he's going to have a very long leash there. Right. No, not at all. Number 20, the Steelers, another team that's falling apart. Hell, this might be a wide receiver. You might draft Marquise Brown to replace Antonio Brown, his cousin, uh, at this spot. But I feel like defense is still the biggest need here. They have Juju, who's a, a up-and-coming star at receiver. You have James Conner at running back. Maybe focus on the defense. Mac Wilson from Alabama, if he declares. Still not sure he will. Yeah, I We'll see. But if he does, I think he's a fit here. We've seen him. If you guys watch the Oklahoma game, one of the biggest things that they did, Alabama, to frustrate Kyler Murray was they were dropping uh, Dole Moses and Mac Wilson in, in coverage, but they're fast enough that they were also spying Kyler Murray. And they really trusted that the front rush to get to him. But Mac Wilson's range was impressive. And yes, C.D. Lamb slapped him in the mouth. Oh, shit yeah. happens. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he is one of the probably quietest good players in this class. And we've talked about teams before that don't value the linebacker position. Uh, The Steelers do probably more than any team. They are constantly drafting edge guys or middle linebackers. And Mac Wilson, he just almost sounds like a Steelers linebacker. He plays like one, just a tough, hard-nosed guy. He does sound Uh, like one. And he would fill a huge need for the Steelers. Let him wear number 95. Yeah. Yeah, put a. He needs to wear a ninety number. They he need really to bring does. that back. That's probably the whole problem with the Steelers' defense is that the linebackers aren't wearing ninety all They're, the time. You're, well, Vince Williams wears ninety eight. T.J. Wars ninety. He's pretty fucking good. Okay, so, so get one more in there, and I think you're all set. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Eagles up at number twenty one, and you talk about filling needs. Uh, they have a pretty good corner in Ronald Darby, but he's also coming off of an ACL injury. So I think they still need to address cornerback need and Byron Murphy is I would say slid to number 21 in our mock draft now very impressive kid out of Washington scrappy reminds me a lot of Denzel Ward Uh, maybe not quite as gifted as Denzel Ward but has the long arms and plays bigger than what he's listed at yeah and not the concussion concerns that we saw with Denzel Ward 22 the Colts it's time to get crazy I love what they've done with this team, uh, and very quickly they've turned it around through great drafting. Uh, Darius Leonard um, has a shot to be defensive rookie of the year, I think, in a a very good draft class. He has a chance to be that guy. You know what the Colts need, though, Melo? A badass running back. And I'm going Josh Jacobs from Alabama. I I absolutely love this kid. Like, if he declares, I might put him in my top ten players. I love this pick too, honestly. Oh, such like, a good fit. You did they did such a good job of fixing their defense last year and protecting Andrew Luck at the same time. Now just go ahead and help out both of them. Yeah. Bring in a running back that can also catch the ball very well. You keep your defense off the field. And you have Quentin Nelson leading the way for this guy. Like him and tough. Ryan Kelly. Like with this run game, that would be perfect for them to go running back in the first round. I'm going to just text old Ballard and be like, hey, I got an idea. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you haven't thought sound of this. crazy. But Josh Jacobs. <laughs> and I'm not sure Josh is going to declare. I guess we'll find out soon enough. But I know I've said before, people at Alabama don't think he's going to. If he does, I'll probably put him 
top 10 on my big board. Yeah, I, I, he's not going to get drafted top No, 10. but I just love him as a but, player. Yeah, he obviously was very impressive against Oklahoma, and he still has one game to showcase what he can do and, and help his draft stock if he does decide to come out. Uh, I'm going to stick with Alabama and the Crimson Tide because I am picking for the Seahawks at number 23. And I would say that Earl Thomas is probably one of my favorite players of all time. I don't think that he's coming back to Seattle. I know that he had an injury. So they need a guy that can play single high safety. And there is one in this class in Deontay Thompson. I don't think he is Earl Thomas, uh, but he can play that center field role in the cover three that they need to uh, probably better than anyone in this class. Yeah, I like him on the top. He's still skinny, but right that can change. I mean, that's not the worst problem to have in the world. So uh, I do like his range. Again, we against Oklahoma, he was very impressive all over the field for them. Um, that's a good pick. I think that's one we'll see connected a lot, those two teams, or the, that team and that player, excuse me. Number 24, the Baltimore Ravens. You talked about it earlier in the show. Lamar Jackson has looked very good. He's also been the entire offense. They need to give him some help. I know on defense you could say, ah, how about an edge rusher? I think they got to get receivers in there. DK Metcalf, it sounds like it's going to be cleared very soon, if not already. He is the big receiver, 6'4", 225. As much as I like Lamar Jackson, and I've said this about other very good NFL quarterbacks like Cam Newton, sometimes you need to give guys a big strike zone. And I think he's the type of quarterback that needs a big strike zone. Give him a receiver who can make plays like this with a huge catch catch radius in DK Metcalf. Yeah, I I agree, too. That defense is so nasty that uh, they won't go defense in the first round, I don't think. The draft would really have to shake out in a weird way for them to not go get Lamar Jackson. You know what's like? We we need to this summer look back at draft classes because Marlon Humphrey is really, really good. And mm-hmm. we've, you know, Alabama corners have like not panned out that well in the NFL. It's been kind of hit or miss. Marlon Humphrey quietly might be the Ravens' best player. So yeah. that was a very good pick by Ozzie Newsom. Well, and Minka Fitzpatrick even played a lot of corner this year. I, yeah. And he had a very good year. So maybe that old saying about Alabama corners is finally dead. I I'll never know. forget hearing uh, from someone who worked at Alabama. It was like trying to, I called him. I was like, hey, who's going to come out? And I was like, what about Humphrey? He said, well, uh, rumor is that Ozzie Newsom had lunch with him and told him, if you come out, we'll draft you in the first round. And from that day forward, I put Marlon Humphrey to them. In every month, oh, and, and it happened. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, this is probably going to happen. Yeah. Next up, number twenty-five. Uh, this is where the Raiders are picking for the Cowboys pick. Uh, Mike Mayock. We have his board. We can look up what he likes. So uh, I'm going to start building some talent around Carr. Uh, they have a lot of good things going. You just took DK Metcalf. I already took Nikhil Harry. Uh, so I don't know that there's a receiver that I would go after here. Maybe. Uh, Hollywood Brown, but I also think that there is a great tight end in this class, and you can give him a target over the middle and Noah Fant. Uh, one of the best tight ends we've seen in years, I don't think he makes it out of the first round, so I think the Raiders are going to take a guy like that right here at pick 25. I, I love it. Uh, I think it's a very good pick for them. You're right. you got to fill out the offense. Help Derek Carr. I know Mayock came out and said uh, in his introductory press conference, he's like, you know, I had Derek Carr in the first round, which is, <laughs> it's going to be so funny when he talks about his play. He's like, well, I had a route. It's exactly what I would fucking do. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I had him in the first round too. So I like Noah Fant there. Number 26, the Houston Texans. They, they need offensive line help. I know it. You know it. Everybody knows it. I'm not going to draft one here, though. I think they can fill that need in free agency or later in the draft. 
honestly because there's no one that I like at this spot for them. Like I don't think Greg Little's a, a very good fit for them. I don't think Jawan Taylor is. And you already took Yadney Kajess, the one guy I would pick for them. So I'm going to go Trayvon Mullen. This is a little bit of a best player available pick for me, but they are getting older at corner with Jonathan Joseph. It's an area where they've needed help over the years. I know, obviously, the Honey Badger back there doing special things. Uh, Justin Reed is a safety that I really like. Kareem Jackson has played very well. He's also starting to get a little bit older. So I'm going to try to fix this future corner need by getting Trayvon Mullen. I like that too, and I think the Texans do have some needs like that. Who they've played exceptionally well this year, a lot better than what I thought they would. Yeah. Uh, and I think this move would also help out their edge rushers, you give them a little bit more time to get to the quarterback. Uh, at number twenty-seven, the Vegas Raiders. This is the pick that they traded to get Khalil Mack, or traded Khalil Mack to get this pick. Right. Uh, and our buddy John Gruden has come out and he's been saying it since they traded Khalil Mack. We need to get a pass rusher. So you're going to have to try to fill that need now. <laughs> Nothing against O'Shane Zimenez, but, man, I would rather have Cleo Mack here oh, yeah. than this pick. But they do have to get some edge rush help, and O'Shane Zimenez is going to be a great guy. I think there's going to be a lot of value around him at the end of round one, and that's where we're at. So I, I think that they have to get a guy like him right here at this pick. Yeah, I like it. Uh, they do need edge rush help badly. Having Quinn Williams and O'Shane Zimenez in the first round, not bad. Not bad right. at all. That's a pretty good haul, and adding Noah Fant in there. Number 28, Los Angeles Chargers. Talk about a team that played much better than we expected this year. Uh, they have a legitimate chance to make a Super Bowl run. I know as the president of the Philip Rivers Fan Club, you and his nine children are hoping for that. Yep. Greg Little, I think, fills a need for them immediately and long term. And I know I just said I don't think he's a, need, uh, a fit for the Texans, but the Texans have a mobile quarterback. You need, I think, more of an athletic offensive lineman for that. Little's more of a power player. Yeah. Which is why I think he fits the Chargers, where Rivers does move around some, but not a ton. You have Melvin Gordon. You have a great run game or potential run game there. They have drafted for the interior uh, a couple years ago and, and tried to fill out that need. So Greg Little to the Chargers. Probably your left tackle of the future there. Yeah, and he is he's not that athletic, but he can anchor down and and he can handle some of the great pass rushers that they're gonna have to see. I mean, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb are gonna get after the quarterback. Justin Houston can still do it a little bit with the Chiefs, so they need to protect that guy. And hopefully, I hope and pray that Phillip Rivers can win a Super Bowl before he re- retires. I think no. I this is his best chance, probably. I know that I'm sitting here recording this podcast and I have a Chiefs hoodie on. <laughs> I would love to see the Chargers win the Super Bowl this year. I would too. Just for Philip Rivers. That's also like, a great story. Like you're the number two team in LA. You're playing in a soccer stadium. Yeah. It's just cool. I just I really I would I would say that right now my rooting interest to win the Super Bowl is the Chargers. I want them to win it. They have to get through this team next, though, if they're going <laughs> right. to do that, and that is very difficult to do. The New England Patriots are selecting, surprise, surprise, at the end of round one. Uh, pick number 29, they don't have a lot of needs because they are the New England Patriots, but they really value guys on the defensive line, and I think Raquan Davis from Alabama is a guy who, again, is very versatile in what he can do. Uh, you can put him in the three-tech. He can play three, four defensive end. Whatever you want him to do on your defensive line, he can do it. And he fits with so many of their packages that they run. Because I don't even know that they really have a base defense in New England. They'll run a forefront. They'll run a three front. They do it all, and that's what Raekwon Davis does too. 
Yeah, I like Raquan Davis. I, I've actually, in some of my mock drafts, had him going to the Titans because of that same reason. Like, he just fits, yep. fits everywhere. There's like really not anything that he can't do. Uh, up next for me, number 30, the Los Angeles. Gosh, I almost called him St. Louis Rams. Uh, edge rusher could be a need here. The, I don't know that like Dante Fowler is not going to be back. They have to start getting kind of cheaper here because they've got some dudes to pay. Middle linebacker could be a need. I didn't like any of the value fits here, so I went best player available at a need. DeAndre Baker at corner, and I I know they have a keep to leave, and I know they have Marcus Peters. Those aren't the kind of guys you really keep around long term. So right. a keep to leave is also uh, was it, 33 years old next season, so you're getting to the end of it there. Marcus Peters is going to be a free agent very, very soon. Uh, I, I think you got to figure it out long term at corner. Yeah, which really sucks for me because I'm picking next for the Kansas City Chiefs, yeah. and they need secondary help. And we've taken all of the good corners. So I just I don't know that there is another corner in this class right now. So the Chiefs, what they're going to have to do is they're probably going to have to package some picks and move up. They've got to address the defense. Uh, but right now, I'm going to go ahead and take a running back for them. Uh, we all know that they need running back help now. Uh, I don't know that they won't stay at 31. If this is the way that it, it shakes out, they will move back into round two. But I'm going to give him David Montgomery because I think he's a perfect fit. Uh, a great pass catcher out of the backfield, and that's what the Chiefs like. Uh, they don't need a guy who's just a downhill thumper. Uh, they want somebody that they can split out wide and they can do some creative things with. And I think that David Montgomery is a better running back than what we saw out of Kareem Hunt, even at least if you're comparing them as prospects. Yeah. He's more rounded and can do more. And plus, he's a pretty big-bodied guy. He's probably about 225. So he can be that bell cow running back and be versatile enough to catch the ball out of the backfield, kind of like uh, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, kind of. David Johnson's faster, but they, mm-hmm. their play is very similar, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, I don't think the Chiefs would draft a running back in the first round, but if the board fell this way, like you said, they would probably try to trade back, which we're not doing trades. Number 32, the last pick in the first round. That's owned by the Green Bay Packers, thanks to that trade last year with the New Orleans Saints. God knows where they're going to go. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been hit a ton. He left week 17 with a concussion. They could go offensive line, but that doesn't really seem to be like the style of this team to draft offensive linemen early. I think one area where we saw them try to get better, but they need to continue to improve is tight end. You have Irv Smith Jr. on the board. He can help you as a receiver, definitely help you as a blocker. He's going to make the run game instantly better. They do have Jimmy Graham. They do have Mercedes Lewis. They're both way over the hill as far as uh, being building blocks for the future. This team has to get tore down and get younger. I almost went receiver here, actually, but I i mean, Devontae Adams is a stud, and they've gotten production from uh, Jamal Moore and Equinemia St. Brown with some of their late pickups last year. So um, having addressed the edge rush earlier in the class with Brian Burns, I'm going to come right now and get Irv Smith Jr. No beers being cracked because it's 11 in the morning. Well, that's not a good reason. No, 11 in the morning is not a good reason. I think that's acceptable. It's lunchtime for some people. It's a holiday. Hitting the early lunch. Yeah. Recording a little hair of the dog. Right. Which I've, like, I know the saying, hair of the dog, that bit you, but I don't know what that means. Okay, so I don't either. I don't get it. But I recently actually asked a medical professional about this. I said, what is your honest opinion for recovering from a hangover? Uh, if you start drinking again, you know, hair of the dog, does that work? And she said, do you want my medical opinion or do you want my personal opinion i was like that's all i needed to know so yeah it does work it's it's maybe not the best thing to do when you're hung over yeah when you're hung over as shit uh just cracking open another beer that's 
It's going to get you right. That's why Bloody Marys work. Yeah. Because it's screwdriver action. Oh. I mean, I've told the story before. Uh, Mobile, Alabama, the most hungover I've ever been. Uh, Our buddy Dan and Adam are like... They're trying to like nurse me back to health so that I could go watch practices. And we go to this little uh, like fried food joint on a lake out in the middle of nowhere, Alabama. And I got a sweet tea and a Bloody Mary and uh, some fries. And I mean, I threw it up, but I was fine. I was yeah. fine after that. It probably absorbed all the alcohol in your system and then, and then you just out. got rid of it. Yeah. yeah. That's my move, actually. That's what I do. All right, it's draft on draft time, which is where I was going with the beers question. Uh, it means no Corey's. He's got two for us. The Senior Bowl is the big one, but what weight do the other postseason All-Star games have? There's the NFL PA Bowl. There's the East-West Shrine. I mean, they're all good. It's all you want guys to flash in that environment because it's generally like good players versus good players. Right. So standout players can help themselves. In recent history, what you're going to do is if you play very well in those games, you're going to get yourself an invite to come play in the Senior Bowl also. And that's where all 32 teams are going to be at. I don't know about the other bowl games. I've never been to them. Uh, but you you want to try to get to the Senior Bowl. I even saw guys going after Nagy on Twitter being like, hey, if you need somebody else, I'm right here. So you want to be in the Senior Bowl. I think it carries the most weight, but you are able to use these other bowl games as a means to to get your name out there and showcase what you can do against some good talent. A lot of times it's uh, the other bowl games will be your smaller school guys. You're not going to get like Power 5 conference right. guys coming out, but you know, you'll get guys like Easton Stick going to play in one who you can see him play against. Uh, some Division One talent that you haven't seen him get to play against before, yeah, and I'll actually be at the NFLPA game, so I'll get a, I'll be out there for better part of a week, so I get a chance to evaluate those guys in person, watch the game, and then fly from I, I fly it from Kansas City to New York, New York to Kansas City, home for two days, Kansas City to LA, LA to Kansas City, immediately get on a plane with you to Mobile. It's draft season, baby. And then I come home for three days and I go to Atlanta for the Super Bowl. Jesus, yeah. Christ, my poor children. Thank God for FaceTime. Like, seriously, thank God. So you did a great job answering that. His second question, would you rather build an offense around Saquon Barkley or a defense around Nick Bosa? I'm going to say defense. Same. It just the I'd rather back, have a kick-ass edge rusher. Right. It, the running back position has become so devalued. This is not... You know, even the early 2000s, I think you would say, oh, give me that running back. Jeff Marshall Falk. Right. Any more. And even though Saquon Barkley is an exceptionally talented young man, I just there's so much more that you need around an offense. You, If you just have a running back, you probably don't have a good defense offense. Yeah. Uh, but if you have an elite level pass rusher, you probably have a good defense because you can get after the quarterback and people are going to throw the ball in the NFL anymore. And look what. Khalil Mack did for the Bears. Like the Bears oh, yeah. defense was good. Mm-hmm. They're elite now. And it's opened up so many opportunities for Akeem Hicks and Leonard Floyd. And the secondary has been better because of one. And Khalil Mack's an outlier. He's an exception. But Nick Bosa is expected to be on that level as a defender. So, uh, and I mean, hell, even when his brother came back to the Chargers, it was like, oh, shit. That right. And defense is pretty you good. You know, with running back, I think you can look at those guys and a great running back can really set your team over the top. But I don't know. Even if you look at the best running backs in the NFL right now, their teams aren't that successful, at least the ones that I'm thinking of off the top of my head. I know Le'Veon Bell's not playing anymore. David Johnson, uh, Zeke Elliott, Saquon Barkley. 
I know there's probably a name that I'm missing, but no, I mean, it's like Gurley, Todd Gurley. But a lot of that, I mean, look at that defense that they do have. They create turnovers, and they also have Jared Goff and Cooper Cup, so that helps. Yeah, uh, yeah, it absolutely does. I would, yeah. As much as we love running backs here, everyone knows I was probably the biggest Saquon Barkley fan in the world, and he had a great rookie year. But I, I'm going to take the defender uh, every time as far as that goes. All right, next question from our buddy Jared Brown. Speaking of Mobile, Alabama, and people taking care of my hangovers, he's on deck this year. Would you? What would you guys give up for Antonio Brown? Whew, um, that's tricky because, I mean, he probably is the best re- receiver in the league. Uh, but he's, I don't know. I question myself, tying myself. He'll be to- 31 next season. And kind of a headache in the locker room now. Like, say what you want about him in the past. Uh, it seems like he was maybe a stand-up type guy, but now you're kind of you, you're sitting out a game that would put you in the playoffs. That's hard to overlook. It's very hard to overlook. So I think that takes a round one draft pick off the table. I mean, it goes. You talk about your 49ers. They're not giving up the number two pick for Antonio Brown. I wouldn't give up the thirty third pick for Antonio. I mean, Brown. If you're the Raiders and you really feel like you need a receiver. And you want to give up like pick twenty five or twenty seven, and maybe, man, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade a first round pick for a guy that old. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing for me. He's old and he's expensive. I so I wouldn't. Right. I love Antonio Brown. I I do think he's the best route runner in football. Um, just no, he's too old. Yeah, you just have to find a a really good match for a team that just needs a receiver, and I think that's still going to be. Top around two. Yeah. I did a study a few years ago back when we were doing NFL 1000, and it was on the drop-off point for receivers. Like, when do they Yeah, when, when do they it? peak? It's 30. Like, the list of mm-hmm. NFL, of the top receivers in the NFL who are over 31 is like Larry Fitzgerald. That's it. So I just wouldn't bet on, especially a small-body guy, being the one who's going to hold up long-term. I don't think so. So I would trade a three for him. I would, for sure. Yeah, it, I mean, obviously. But yeah. just like remember when Marcus Peters got traded, everybody was like, why didn't he get traded for more? Yeah, because he's kind of a yeah, malcontent, I guess <laughs> yeah. the word we want to use. Uh so uh yeah, so I wouldn't I wouldn't give as, as much as some people think. Travis Johnson wants to know are the Raiders just leaning into it now and hiring personalities, or can Mayock actually work as the GM? Also, does this mean Matt can get a GM job shot in the next five to ten years? Travis, I hope so, buddy, because those jobs pay very, very well. I mean, I'm hitching my horse to that wagon. I don't know about uh, Connor and what his take is, but, yeah, I hope so. But as far as leaning into the personalities, things, I don't think the NFL would ever do that. I mean, I think that they're trying to to get the best front office that they can get. And I think Mayock and Gruden are two guys that— honestly, probably respect each other enough and their opinions to work well together. And even though that they were in the media, they were also in the NFL before. They got into yeah. media because their roots in the NFL. Yeah, and I have no roots to the NFL. Just a fan. Just a fan who watches a lot of football. So I don't know that my arena football scouting resume is going to be enough to— I don't know. I, I don't maybe, know. maybe. I keep hitting on some of these receivers. Somebody might dra- pick me up. <laughs> Last question we're going to do today from Sylvester Valderrama. Welcome back to Draft on Draft, buddy. Why does no one talk about Will Greer being QB1? What does he lack that keeps him out of the conversation? Um, I think he lacks everything that you're looking for for a prototypical quarterback. He doesn't have a strong arm. 
Uh, he's a system quarterback, and that's going to really hurt him. I think he does a lot of things well. He's pretty accurate with the football. He's he's pretty mobile. He's a jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, there's nothing that he does exceptionally well. So that's why you see him probably. I mean, we didn't put him in our first round mock draft today. Uh, I think he's a round two type of guy, and that's not a a slight against him. I just he hasn't done anything that makes you think, man, I have to get this guy in the first round. Yeah, and I don't know how big he'll be. I think that's going to be one of the questions. We'll find out because he is going to the Senior Bowl. He's listed at 6'3", 217. I don't think there's any way he's I think he's 6'1 and change would be my guess. I've yeah. actually met him. It was uh, it was in that time between Florida and West Virginia. Um, I'm, I don't remember where I was. I was at a, like a party, uh, like a Super Bowl party and met him. Um Liked him, a cool guy, but uh, yeah, I, I just feel like he's going to get knocked hard by the system. And and people listening to this will be like, "What about Baker?" Like people have to remember, Baker had an elite trait. Uh, several of them actually. Yeah, very mobile and had a strong arm. Had I know he's arm. tiny, but he had a very strong, one of the strongest arms in the class. Like it yeah. even uh, compared with Josh Allen on his how velocity hard throw yeah. the ball. And his leadership skills were elite traits. So I think that's one of the things with Greer you kind of look at. If like, okay, well, like what does he do well? I'll be interested to see him throw outside of that system. And, 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 to, and to the outside of the field. Like, right. can he get the ball to the far hash? It's kind of like your guy Mason Rudolph last year. I mean, that was the big question was, okay, you look the part, but can you throw accurately outside yeah. the hash and, and on time? And he was 6'5", 230, not... Yeah. Six one, isn't that which weird? Will that, make a difference. Will Greer is like the least famous person in his family. His brothers are like Instagram stars. Oh, really? Oh, well, yeah. I don't know. I maybe I just need to spend more time on yep. Instagram. Yep. They or they were like Vine, like stars. Well, I didn't know that. Yep. <laughs> the more you know, listening to stick to football, you learn all kinds of. It's not just football. You you get weird the name's tidbits. Tongue in cheek. I don't think people realize that, but the name is tongue in cheek. <laughs> All right, that's our show for today. I'm so excited. It's draft season. Like, you wake up, it's it's 2019. You got a new year ahead of you, and it's draft season. Like, oh, that's it's, the it's, best feeling yeah. in the world. And for me, it's Tuesday morning, so we're done recording. There's football on. I'm spending the rest of the day just watching football. Yeah, I can't wait. Mississippi State, Iowa just kicked off. We got to get out of here and watch that. For Mello, I'm Matt. We'll talk to you guys Friday morning. We have a special show for you. I don't want to give anything away, but we have a special show. Make sure you listen Friday morning. We'll holler at you guys then. Happy New Year.